Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DeathStoreProds.com anime and manga podcast. As always, I'm dead, and I have a canker sore directly underneath my tongue, so if I sound weird, that's why. Join me today, we have Birdie. I have no response to that. <laughs> As you shouldn't. Anyway, yeah, so we're going to talk about manga and shit. Yes. Also, I just wanted to issue a, right at the top of the show, I'm not going to be talking about this series again, probably for a while at least, or until we actually do the thing I want to do with it. But I want to make a small correction I said about King's Game. So, when I first started talking about King's Game, I said that it seems like a series that is a sequel to a series that doesn't exist. Turns out I was incorrect about that. Because it is a series, it is a sequel to a series that actually does exist. Or I, I guess more accurately, I should say it's a sequel to a cell phone novel. Ah, uh, which to us might as well just not exist. Yeah, because because uh, as it turns out, King's Game, uh, from what I have read, uh, started out as a series of cell phone novels, and this and this book, I mean this um anime series, is actually an adaptation of two of those novels. He has an adaptation of, I believe, the first novel, and then the sequel to that novel, which this series is starts out as, and it gets like even dumber from there. Like, like we have the we have the um, second series, which has its own fucking plot revelations and stuff. In the middle of that series, we interrupt it to get the story of the first series, in which a bunch of things are revealed, and then we have to wait for those characters to learn those revelations a second time because it's new characters. The, the more I learn about what this fucking show actually is, the more it becomes a fucking disaster. And I goddamn love that. Ah, but anyway. That's that's what I got for correction stuff. Uh, Birdie. I'll have you go first this time. Alright. Well, um... I'm just, I'm just two episodes in. I still just want to say this was based on your interests. Um, you should definitely watch Ghost Hound. Okay. Yeah, it's a uh, production IG anime from 2007. And it is a murder mystery horror story built around the idea of uh flawed perceptions of reality in the ch- in, a, in the mind of a in the mind of a distressed child. Yeah, that sounds really cool. <laughs> so the premise is that somewhere in the middle of nowhere Japan, uh 11 years ago, uh a boy and his older sister were abducted for a ransom by this person. Uh the person asked for a ransom Um, but never came to receive it because there were too many police patrolling the area. Uh, Eventually, eventually, uh, through tracking the cell phone, they find the guy at this building, but they accidentally chase him. When they chase him outside, they accidentally get him killed because he runs in front of a car. At this point, they have no idea of how to find the children until a random psychic woman suggests that they might be hidden in the ruins of an abandoned hospital that... They need to get to now because in two weeks' time the thing will be flooded. Okay. Yeah. 
So the police get there. Uh, the boy is still alive, but the sister is dead. That's unfortunate. Yeah. So flash to eleven years. It's flashed to the present, and the boy the boy is a fourteen year old first uh, middle school student who is understandably being asked by the school to undergo therapy on a regular basis. Yeah, and that's that's uh, that's <laughs> that's understandable. <laughs> And he seems to be the best off, all things considered, of his family because um, I don't know if it's just the writing of the script of this series or just everyone in this town, except for like a couple of the main characters are inconsiderate assholes. But everyone <laughs> just keeps saying shit that kind of sets the mom off into twitchy fits. Like um, when the when the grandfather is talking about... Um, someone inheriting his family sake business to his grandson, our main character, uh, the son offhandedly suggests, weren't you going to have the sister do that? And to which the mom just starts twitching. And <laughs> so the son kind of has. <laughs> okay. No wonder he needs to go to therapy. He needs to develop empathy. <laughs> well, you see his, his response to that is to realize he made a mistake and excuse himself after apologizing to his mother. Whereas the local neighbors will come over and say, Ooh, you know that, that, uh, that flood pain behind the dam, that's bone dry right now. And shit like that. It's like, oh, I it's like, oh, I need to go to the hospital later. My fucking daughter is there. <laughs> oh man, my, yeah. my husband will not come to any of these things. One of these days I just need to drag him over there like a kidnapping victim. Yeah. So, um Your kids are dead. <laughs> That, that that's just my natural escalation, just like just like very just like very subtle kind of things that you might not notice yeah. the first time, then subtle escalation, and just walking up saying, Hey, how's your dead kid doing? You know what's funny? There's a character one of the main character the other two main characters of the series is actually about that level of dickish at first. <laughs> I heard your daughter died. How you doing with that? No, no, close. Okay, so a transfer student from Tokyo into the into the main to our main character's class is this uh, city slicker jackass who of course he is of course who just comes in is like he's like hey your family runs that sake place out on the edge of town he's like uh, yeah it's like wow it must be old land money that's gotta be why your sister and you were kidnapped right <laughs> <laughs> wow I mean like yeah but like wow. <laughs> And then he goes off. And then the rest of that episode is spent uh, cutting back and forth between um, this jackass essentially being a proto detective trying to figure out what happened because he's just wants to. He's, I think he even says himself, you know, I don't like these uh, little podunk sit, uh, backwater towns, but you know, see the underbelly. That's awesome. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> Jesus. Even saying this guy's outlines out loud makes me feel like a jackass. Yeah, because he that's this is like Wow. <laughs> like it's not very often that characters are written this shittily on purpose. Yeah. As far as I can tell, as much as I've I'm gonna keep watching the series, so it as, hopefully you'll watch it and then we can discuss it. But as far as I've watched, the only sign of interesting thing about this character at that point is that he seems to be uh, uh, either have vertigo or is afraid of heights. 
So maybe that'll play in in some way. But the more interesting thing going on is with the main character who is attempting to deal with his traumatic experiences in a number of ways. For example, he's trying to teach himself how to lucid dream. Yeah, I mean, I, I've tried to do that. <laughs> yeah, and he's and he's had these experience, and he has this experience in the first episode where he falls asleep in class, and then he wakes, and then he opens his eyes and sees himself sleeping, and then flashes back through his memories of what happened with his with his sister, or at least bits and pieces of it, because there's he's he's noticing the more he does it that there's things he's just not seeing, or that like he didn't see before, uh-huh. and. At some point, he then flashes back to the present and is just over this shrine, because supposedly where he where he and his sister were abducted from is behind is this little path behind the local shrine, which no which was not supposed to act, which no one goes back there anymore apparently. But um, yeah, so and then for some reason, while he's in what I guess has got to be what would you what would you call that if you either are having an out of body experience or lucid dreaming and someone sees you. Um, psychic shit <laughs> yeah basically just like yo it's fucking she got the devil eyes yeah you see I'm trying not to do like the basic supernatural shit explanations because this is like actual legit concepts they're talking about like in the second episode they start uh, um, the the uh, main character wants to be put into hypnosis to hope in hopes of uh telling him it helps him understand his dreams a little better his uh-huh. psychologist his his, his uh, therapist says i don't know how to hypnotize you but i can ex- administer e- emdr uh which since this is a term i had to look up i might as well tell you what it means emdr is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing a psychotherapy technique developed by francine shapiro where you use eye movements or other bilateral stimulation to possibly assist clients in dealing with distressing memories or beliefs. Okay. Yeah, established in 1989. The only thing I the only thing I came up with was fucking electromagnetic dream recognition or something. That could probably happen in this series. I forgot to mention and this is the other weird thing about this. This series is a co-production between <clears throat> Uh, Shiro Masamune, the, the original writer of Ghost in the Shell, and uh, Ken Takamura, the the director of Serial Experiments Lane. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow! Yeah, that sounds. That's a fucking. That's a pedigree. Yeah. But and unlike uh, and I can definitely say that not say this about anything other than serial experiments lane. The biggest criticism people have of the series is that by the end it's too conventional. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, guess, I guess that makes sense. Like serial experiments lane is, I think the only series I've ever seen described as an avant-garde anime. Well, no, uh, Boogie Pop Phantom was described as an avant-garde anime. It's just. We don't like that series. <laughs> I'm double checking that, but I'm pretty sure that when we looked it up, it was Lane that was described as avant garde, and that one wasn't. Okay, but um, yeah, so it's it, top. It, so it's production IG director of Serial Experiments Lane, uh, writer of Ghost in the Shell, 
So this is a pretty insane cast for what is essentially a, a murder mystery story about... Okay, I forgot to mention the uh, the third main character who hasn't had that much screen time yet is another kid in our main character's class. But he kind of has a hard time relating to everybody because the guy that is presumed to have kidnapped um, the main character and his sister, his dad was the was the presumed suspect and he committed suicide not long after the children were found. Ugh. That's rough. So, yeah. So that dynamic informs how this guy interacts both with Brain Jackass and our main character. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it's Brain Jackass being Brain Jackass goes up and says, "Hey, your dad was the guy who committed suicide, right? Was it true that he actually abducted those children? Did you ever know anything about that?" I was like, <laughs> I was like "You really are going to get slugged." By Yo, my dog. <laughs> where's your dad's murder room? I want to go see it. <laughs> Also, yeah, Boogie Pop was not described as avant-garde. Sir Expert was lying, though. Lying, 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 fuck, I don't know. Super, super avant-garde, apparently. Which makes me terrified to ever watch it. Let, let me, okay, let me put it to you this way. Um, the guy who directed Serial Experience Lane did three series. The, he did that, he did Haibane Renmei, and Technolize. Havani Renmei is the only one that I think is out and out good of the three for me personally because it's it at least has enough of a focus on pathos and the human soul that you actually can feel emotionally invested in it. Technolize bores both Cora and I to sleep within three episodes out of twenty-two. You mean a uh, Ryotaro Nakamura? Yeah, Ryotaro Nakamura. I said the wrong name, didn't I? Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at like his stuff, and you know, none of what you listed is on there. Like he did Kino's Journey. Okay, I must be. Th- I, I I seem to remember Lane being okay. I'll look it up later. But um, uh, but yeah. So and Serial Experiments Lane, Core and I, our reaction to that is. We it's so weird that you even as you watch it you have trouble connecting to it so it's almost impossible to finish the series because you have no real emotional drive to finish something that six or seven episodes out of twelve in you don't understand. Yeah, no, I no, I, I believe it or not, I understand that. <laughs> yeah, but this the more and more I watch of this series, the more it sounds up your alley. Yeah, I mean, I mean like semi supernatural murder mystery. I'm fucking down. Yeah, and it actually, for the most part, sounds mostly coherent, unlike whatever the hell Boogie Pop Phantom was. Yeah, 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 yep, 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 yep. So I'm going to keep watching this as best I can. It's harder to find because for some, unfortunately, this was one of the last, either one of the last ADV dubs or one of the first Sentai Filmworks dubs when this was released. And because of that, unless you buy the physical disc, it's hard to find. So I might wait for another Sentai film work. I I considered buying it last time, but I had already splurged on a whole bunch of other Black Friday DVDs and Blu-rays. So I'll I'll probably wait for the next sale to get this, because this one I kind of want to own, just for the sheer weirdness of it. Oh. And... What? Just found the series on Blu-ray. Ghost Town, complete collection. Yeah, no, I know it was on Blu-ray, but it's it, it that's the only way to get it. It's hard to find streaming, except like oh, right, yeah. 
I don't always immediately jump to I want to buy a physical copy for anime anymore. I don't have the space. Yeah, well, <laughs> well yeah, like on, on like not having the space, you know, don't always have the money because anime fucking adaptations, I mean, anime releases are stupid expensive. Yeah, which is why I was surprised when I found um, the Blu-ray on Sentai Filmworks website for twenty bucks. But uh, I don't know if that's what you're looking at or not. But Amazon. Yeah. Anyway, um, I really liked Ghost Hound. I'm going to keep watching it. I hope you do, so you and I can have an intellectual discussion on the show. Well. For us, anyway. Yeah. Intellectual for us. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> Fuck, me and me and Nico ended up talking like five minutes about goddamn politics and the state of fucking popular culture right now when we talked about the fucking doomsday clock. Ah. Uh. Because it starts out... He's like, the big thing we took away from it is like, it's like, yeah, like, we know what's doing what Watchmen did, like, you know, political discourse and stuff, and, you know, the political comment right now. We don't want that in our comics. Hmm. We don't even want that in our real life. So just, like, pull it back a bit, please. All anyway. Right, so I, I don't know if I've talked about this series or not on this show. Uh, it's more of a Chinese series than a Japanese series, but it's anime aesthetic, so it, I put it under uh, the same banner. Uh, Star Martial God Technique. This, of course, being a Chinese martial arts series. Yeah. Uh, Sounds like it. And between this and... I know I talked... I'm pretty sure I mentioned Magic Chef of Ice and Fire at some point. Yeah, yeah. On the Yeah. And... What I'm kind of liking about these kinds of series is that they I, I'm discovering that I like series with protagonists who have potential love interest who he, they all just flat out say, "Bitch, no, I don't want." Th- <laughs> Please leave me alone. I'm doing things. Yeah, like in most recently in Magic Chef of Ice and Fire, the guy revealed that he essentially revealed his skills as a chef to two people who now want him to work for him, essentially just to convince Lady Madness to leave him the hell alone. (laughs) It unfortunately didn't work because now that she thinks he's a good cook, now she wants him around all the time. And he's like, no! (laughs) Just, like, I I have things going on. I have a life I need to go to. I have things I want to do. You are not one of them. (laughs) Just, like, fucking go to Pizza Hut or something. Damn, bitch. Yeah, or in the case of um, Star Marshal God technique, this guy, this main character started out as um, kind of a nothing at the martial arts school until he discovered that he was learning a technique that was thought mostly extinct in this school because all its practitioners had died out long ago. But he, through several training missions and a lot of meditation, it, Ch- Chinese martial arts series really like meditation. I'm not sure why, but... <laughs> It's part, it's part of some fucking monastic thing, I yeah. think. So he's kind of gotten good at what's called the star technique, which essentially... Okay, so the the three schools of thought and martial arts in this, in terms of supernatural martial arts, is either A, that you're basically a firebender. Yeah. Is one of them. B, you turn into a dragonborn. Naturally. Or C, you essentially just channel cosmic energy through your body to either heal or destroy, which is what the main character does. 
<laughs> and most recently, the main character was expelled from the school because he pissed off one of the lords for essentially uh, not wanting to kill one of his friends who was a rebel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that tracks. Yeah. So he got expelled from school, went home, discovered that uh, his old clan is having trouble with a rival clan. And to settle the score, the, the the firebender douchebag son of the other clan challenges them to a fight, and they use a local martial arts tournament as a just a, as an excuse to do it publicly with lots of witnesses. This martial arts tournament in question happens to be one of those "if you win this, you will win the daughter's hand" type things, and he meet and the daughter in question is a. Uh, uh, local is the daughter of a local lord, and she automatically doesn't like this guy because she thinks he's a pleb. And but oh look, father, his hands are dirty. He must punch people without wearing gloves. Yeah. <laughs> Just about, which is why it's funny when he, they get to the tournament. He fights the firebender, kicks his ass, and then um, the guy that this woman is expecting to marry. Uh, she, is intrigued by how good this fighter is and steps up to fight him. At which point the, uh, uh, our main character clarifies, look, dude, we, that guy who just went through that building there, he and I had a thing we needed to handle. I don't really care about this bitch. So (laughs) yeah, I'm not taking your woman. If you want to fight fine, but I I don't care about her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That again, this this all does all make sense to me. (laughs) <laughs> this is all. This all sounds like actually really interesting. Just there's this idea of like, oh, this like, oh, hey, our two leads are they don't give a fuck. I also just yeah. like that very flip. I also just like that attitude towards these things. Like, like, oh, you're fighting, so that must mean you want this. That must mean you want this fucking person. I'm like, nah, dude. Kind of had this other thing I had to take care of. <laughs> yeah, there's this whole other thing. It they need a stage. You guys had a stage. So like, if you want to fight, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, whatever. But like, maybe don't, maybe don't fight me because I sent the guy through a wall, and you gotta go home with her later. Yeah, just saying. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, the only other thing that's worth mention, uh, the only other thing I think that's worth mentioning about Star Marshal God technique is that the artist every every chapter starts with a pop culture reference. And it's getting a little distracting. Why? <laughs> like, like, and it's like not what? like, like and it's not like they? it's in the story, but it's like the cover of the chapter is a pop culture reference of some sort. Okay, so instead of ha- instead of just having like the characters being in like wacky costumes or being in like some weird pose or something, it's them doing a tableau of a scene from a movie or something. Okay, so like for example. Uh, the the most recent chapter, the main character is just straight up Superman. <laughs> <laughs> a few chapters ago, I think they were reenacting a scene from Die Hard. You know, martial arts. <laughs> like I said, it's random. I don't know why. I guess the artist just likes this shit. Yeah, they're doing it because, what, like, whatever. fucking what, what else is he going to do? I'm pretty sure. I guess sh- it's- I'm pretty sure this shit is like a webtoon. So, like, fuck it. Who the who the hell's gonna fucking tell him no? His publisher. Yeah, I think it is a webtoon. But um, yeah, it's 
I enjoy reading it. I'm still reading it. Uh, I, again, I seem to like series where love interests exist, but the main characters have no interest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. It's like, it almost feels like the main character saying, look, I know we're supposed to end up together, but I don't really want to do that. <laughs> is, that like, reason, it, is that like one of the initial things that kind of like drew you to Shokugeki no Soma? No, Sugeki no Soma it was originally just the, the... Initially, I kind of liked the idea of a battle manga based around the idea of a pleb fighting nothing but snobs. Yeah. But eventually they... Yeah, eventually it turned out the pleb was the fucking messiah of food, so like, fuck it. Yeah, which is why I kind of wanted to mention this to you when the series is over. I kind of wish the whole series was just about Megumi. <laughs> yeah, totally. She's a way more interesting character. Like Yukihira, yeah. like Soma as a character compared to, like the others, he seems like a Kamina. Yeah, just like this larger than life like, fucking but, uh, super uh, big dick awesome guy who has to yeah, help Kamina, but without like the self awareness of like this is a trope that we kind of have to mock. <laughs> yeah, like it, like he is a he is a very sincere Kamina to Megumi Simon. Yeah, and me personally, that's why I. I that's why I would rather have a Deku or a Simon as my main male protagonist in a Shonen series rather than a Kamina or a Goku. I mean, a Goku grew, but I... I yeah, like, I a Goku started out like he was powerful, but he still had the potential of losing. Yeah. As the series and, progressed, that went away after they brought him back to life 18 times and made him a literal god. Yeah. With something like, with something like Soma... There has never been an actual threat of something bad happening to him because of losing. Yeah. Like the only time he's ever lost, there were no real consequences. So Yeah, like 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 thinking like thinking back on the series, I've been thinking about it for a while now. There have been two and a half actual losses he's suffered. Yeah. One of them was against the fucking like seat one of the Elite Ten. And nothing happened, yeah. even though there were literal stakes involved in that bet. Yeah. Second one was at the fucking, like, Autumn's Festival, where nothing happened. Yeah, it's like he essentially came in third place. Yeah, it's like nobody Ooh. expected anything of him, so him losing made his station rise in the school. And then the half one was against fucking when Shinomiya was introduced. Yeah. And I only count that as a half loss because the only reason it like the only like the only way the only reason that it didn't count as a loss in terms of like it counted as a loss because they actually lost. Like, like in the official rules of what they were doing, three votes to nil, they lost. But then fucking the judge is like, you know, I'll just fucking put this thing here. Fuck you, there are no rules. And then fucking he's just like, hey, you know that thing we said? Never mind. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I would much prefer a series. I would much prefer if Shoki Okinosoma had ended up being about a character like Megami and not a character like Soma. Or if you were going to make it about Soma, you have to let you have to let him lose occasionally. There have yeah. to be some consequences. 
But anyway, so that's way off topic. Um, Fuck, it, w- it would have been really cool if like if like he went like he went to go and fight the Elite Ten guy. He lost, and then he's like, "Hey, I want more for you." He was like, "No, can't have that. You fucking whatever." All right, f- fine. You're expelled, and then he actually has to leave the school, and then had then like come back, fucking weird, victorious guy to train the fucking other dudes to go fucking fight. What's his dick? It would have been something. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, in terms of anime, I'm still watching. Uh, I'm still watching. Um, which call it? Uh, uh, recovery of an MMO junkie, which I'm still enjoying, but I'm getting sick of. Okay, so on the opposite end of the spectrum, if you're gonna do a shojo romance, I kind of prefer it if you tone down the sheer level of ridiculous coincidences involved in a relationship. Because <laughs> as much as I like the two romantic leads in Recovery of an MMO junkie. They have literally met in some capacity in three separate personalities, and not until very recently become aware of the of the other of them. Oh, that's bullshit. Yeah, like 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 I was fucking. I was expecting it. I was expecting like at the, like how many episodes in are are you there right now? Uh, nine, I think. Nine, and is it like a twelve episode run? Uh, ten or eleven. Ten or eleven. Okay. Well, by this point, they should have already decided to meet in real life and then had the fucking, like, second act okay. twist. You know, okay, so uh, they had met in real life before this. They met in real life in the second episode. I mean, but, like, actually met. Okay, yeah, they... Like, he, like, like, like they're two characters talking to each other in games, like, hey, do you want to actually meet? And they go and meet each other, it's like, wait a minute, you're a guy? Yeah, no, that happened... That technically happened at the end of episode eight, and nine is kind of the fallout of that. Yeah, like like midway through, it should have been like, "Hey, this is," or, or like closer to midway through than fucking episode eight of a ten episode run. Yeah, the like close to episode eight, it should have been like, "Hey, they meet, <clears throat> they meet in real life, realize what was happening, and then have to deal with that as they go forward." Yeah, because that's the interesting thing. Yeah, no the. I am as sick as anyone else of, look, just get to the relationship part so you they can tell the story of a relationship and not the start of a relationship. Fuck, now, look at Ori To be fair, like, yeah, like, to be fair, I kind of like the idea, in this case, of the two characters acknowledging that they like each other but not being ready for a relationship because the female lead has suffered such a psychological breakdown that she was on border bordering on suicide until very recently. Oh no, like that that is that is understandable. Yeah, and if you had made a story about them trying to work out how to maybe lead to a relationship in the future and her getting over or getting past those insecurities that led to her mental state prior to playing these MMOs that would have been something, but they've taken way too long of this. Will they find out? I don't know. Yeah, the will they find out is not the interesting part. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the that that is the kind of like kind of amusing in between bits. That's an amusing starting point, but it it should not be a middle, or it certainly should not be a finisher. Yeah, it would be it would be like if Orimonogatari, another shojo romance series that I really enjoyed what I watched of it. If if like the entire like the beginning of that series is like the first three episodes are this are there is a hot guy his kind of ugly friend and a cute girl cute girl starts hanging out with them ugly friend thinks she's into the hot guy 
Turns out she's into the kind of ugly guy. If that entire series was that dynamic until the end. Yeah. As opposed to what it actually is, which is that dynamic until the third episode. Yes. That's about them fucking having a relationship. That's cool. That's interesting. That's what yeah. you want to see. No, I don't disagree with you. I just Yeah, I'm just I'd like to vent. <laughs> yeah. Because this sounds really dumb. No, you see, with, with a potentially really interesting premise. It's a really interesting premise with good characters. It's just it's focused on the wrong thing. Okay, is the problem. And maybe if it got a season two, because this seems to have been really popular, and they teased a, another like a, a bonus OVA episode after the end of the, te- the of the aired run. Maybe it'll get another season. I don't know. It's kind of hard to bet on that because. I wasn't convinced Konosuba was ever going to get a second season, but it happened. Yeah. So maybe if this show comes back in some capacity and the second season is more about them working out. Because like, like based on what I've seen of this series currently airing, the, the last episode is basically they're going to they're gonna start to where I would have liked most of the series to go, where they're trying to work out what their relationship is. Yeah. But so if they do a season two, I hope it would be more about that. But also at the same time, like you have this whole um, guild of characters in the main game who all mostly who one character knows who a lot of them are. But I don't think how any of them know who all of them are. And I would kind of like those characters explored as well, because one of my favorite jokes in the series is when one of the guild members switches voices and it freaks everyone out and it's beca- and the character explains oh sorry my wife took over writing the character for a few seconds <laughs> <laughs> that's cool I man can, that's yeah i'd kind of like i'd kind of like to see a slice of life series about like the daily lives of people in an mmo guild yeah which is what they, again what this seems like it could have also done, but again, not enough focus on the things I think would be most interesting. Either a slice of life about ordinary people who play MMOs because they happen to like it, not because they're necessarily broken or anything like that. Yeah, just, hey, I'm doing this. It's fun. Or if you're going to make it about the relationship, make it about the relationship and not the lead up to the relationship. <laughs> yeah, but instead it's like, hey, will they, won't they's work, right? Let's fucking do that for like for like 90% of this fucking show. Yeah. And then maybe an OVA about when they do. Yeah. So anyway, um, that I'm trying to think. I I know you've got other stuff to talk about, so I think I'm just going to cut it off there. There's other stuff I could talk about, like uh, steampunk gut, like steampunk Power Rangers, but I'll save that for next time. Okay then. So, uh, first up, level 999 villager. I think I've seen this series advertised. I've just never read it. Yeah. So, is an isekai series still an isekai series when it takes place not in another world? Depends. You'd have to explain that. So, at the beginning of this book, it starts out with, uh, hey, the country that they're in. Weird fancy name. It used to be known as Japan. Like, Like, the world as it is used to be the world we live in. It's just one day... It turns into an RPG. Okay. Nobody would teleport anywhere. It's just one day, boom, monsters came out of the ground. When, it, when you kill them, they drop money, and there are classes. 
Not not classes that you can like choose to go into. It is like villager is apparently a class. Okay. So, yeah. So is king. Like you you can be born as just some little fucking farmhand, but it turns out if your class was king at birth, then you become the ruler of the land. Okay. But anyway, uh, the weakest of the classes naturally are villagers. But sure. there is one villager among them who has reached level 999. And I'll say this. This seems more like a one-punch man kind of thing. Yeah, the way you're describing it, it does sound like it should just be, like, it, not just the premise itself, but, like, everything, execution, characterization, all that should be a joke. It kind of is. Like, like there, there's a lot of jokes in this. Like, there's one character, her name is um Takako, and she looks like a dude. Just straight up, she looks like a man with long hair, and that is the running joke. They they they're like lo- there are a lot of people who just like weird reaction faces to it. It's not set up in a traditional sense, despite everybody else around them wanting it to be in the traditional sense. Okay, like uh, like main character, uh, he's a villager, the weakest class. He has level nine hundred ninety nine, a higher level than literally anything else in existence. He did this because he wanted to get money. That is his whole motivation. Just it was like it was like one day I was walking around, found found a shop, had a little fucking had a had a thing that you could buy for a th- for ten thousand gold coins that had a mystery that had a mystery item in it, and that was the day I decided to go out and get money. And yeah, that seems to be the thing. Like every motivation that we get from him is just I wanted money. Hunting monsters was the easiest way to get money, so I started hunting monsters and reached level nine hundred ninety nine. Okay. Which I really like that. It wasn't just, it wasn't, it, it had, it had the fuck, it has the idea of a struggle. Which I know isn't much, but given how many fucking Isekai series we've seen where they're just from the jump the best. Like no training, no anything. It's just, I got in this situation and lucked into being amazing. But in this, he is like, he worked since he was like three years old, fucking tucking rocks at slimes. Because that's his main method of attack. Just, oh, there's a monster there. I'll huck a rock at it. And then it dies and gives him a bunch of money. Yeah, so he's out there doing that stuff. Um, Along the way, one day doing quests to earn fucking bank. Uh, He comes across a young girl being attacked by a hero and his party. Turns out the girl's a demon. And the, and the heroes believe that, like, hey, you fucking stole this magic sword. Uh, turns out he actually found it weeks ago and pawned it. <laughs> Despite the fact that it was like a heirloom to the, to an ancient royal family in the area. He's like, yeah, I sold that thing like a week ago, dude. Uh, turns, out the, turns out the young girl named Alice is the daughter of the Demon King. And the way this world works is that monsters are created from the horns of demons. Like, I think if, like, a demon, like, loses a horn or something, then it turns into a monster. And because of that, humans hate demons. There is this, there's, there's a belief that, like, hey, demons are trying to fucking wipe out all humanity. They are sending these monsters out after us, even though that's not really the case. They're just kind of, monsters are a natural f- thing that happen when demons exist. It's a natural phenomena that and they're, they're blaming the source, not necessarily. They're essentially trying to put a, 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 a face to a natural occurrence. Exactly. It's like blaming the volcano volcano for an earthquake. Exactly. And so Alice, uh, the Demon King's daughter, 
wants to try to wants to like be the fucking trailblazer for the road for human demon coexistence. Our main character is kind of down for that. Like he doesn't necessarily hate demons. Like he's apparently buddies with the demon king. And he treats Alice and Menno, a a recently introduced subordinate of the Demon King, as just regular people. He treats them as friends. Like he actually kind of he actually treats um Alice as basically like a daughter or little sister kind of thing. Okay. Like there are like there are multiple scenes of just Alice just being fucking adorable. And he and a uh, main guy whose name escapes me, I think it's Kagami or something. Something with a K. Basically, uh he's just kind of treating her just like sees her being fucking adorable, and then facilitates that like there's a point where they decide to form a like a human demon coalition army and then we're getting ready she's she's like i want to do all these fucking awesome warrior poses when i'm out in the fucking field or whatever and he has to and you know main character has to be the horse in that and so both of them just have like these really silly stern face on and she's just on his back just like arm up fist in the air is like fuck yeah we're doing this and he's just i'm a horse it's a lot more personality than you would expect from a super overpowered main character of a East Sky story. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, and it's just it's just fun. It sounds charm it sounds charming. It kinda is. Like the artwork is nothing spectacular. In fact, a lot of the time it actually it actually gets kind of rough. Like there are there are a few shots in this scene in the series where Okay, like, wait, how how rough are we talking? Are we talking attack on Titan rough or Hunter X Hunter rough? Not that, just, just like every once in a while, characters will be proportioned fucking weird, or like their eyes will be too close together or too far apart, and it'll just look weird. Okay, so Attack on Titan rough. Yeah, which is actually really weird because when we get like the big shots of the monsters and stuff, they look fucking amazing. Like he, like this guy does a really good job drawing these monsters. It's just regular people he sometimes has a problem with. Hmm. Which isn't a which isn't a huge problem because because most of the time people are reacting or like acting in such a way that they're like any kind of any kind of like misshape of the face or like facial features is easily overlooked. It's not a super big problem. It is just a it is just something that I noticed, especially in the early couple chapters before things really get going. But yeah, this is just right. like this is just like a lot of fun. Okay. It's like a real charming read. Um it's only eight chapters out right now. And they haven't gotten anything they haven't gotten anything too heavy, but they have hinted at like backstory stuff for for main character, which is bad because of course it is. But yeah, lead character is really charming. Uh his relationship with uh Alice is also really charming. Uh, the heroes are like the actual, the actual hero hero, like the person who is the traditional hero of the land. His name is Rex. And while he's a dumbass, he's at least like receptive. He's at least open to the idea that things aren't exactly the way he sees them. And in his party, his party, we have three main guys we're focusing on. There is him. There is the priest who or priestess. Who's just kind of like, I just want to know what the fuck's happening. And then there is the mage, the witch or whatever, uh, who is demons are monsters and we need to murder all of them. So yeah, there are things happening. There seems to be a bigger thing going on. Um, like Alice has said that her dad is really sick, but then somehow people, somehow other demons under orders from the king who is really sick is are going out to destroy human encampments. 
So yeah, things are happening. And I'm looking forward to seeing where the series goes. I am really glad I started reading this. And it's from fucking, it's being released by Champion Scans. The guy's doing fucking the wrong way to use healing magic and, and Exterminator. Yeah, which I, I told, I, I remember we discussed last time how weird it was to me that Exterminator has, is kind of like the crystallization of that. What I talked about with Magic of Ice and Fire and, uh, and a Star Marshal God technique where the main character's like, dude, I don't care. <laughs> but then the art's like, yeah, you're going to care. <laughs> uh, yeah. That still weirds me out. <laughs> God, I fucking love those books. Really good books. Anyway, uh, moving on to a different Isekai series. Uh, Tale of Wedding Rings. Oh, I've read this. Yeah, what do you think of it? I like it for the most part. Um, could have done without the lolly sexiness. Uh, yeah. I know it's a Japan thing, but... And I know that... Unlike most stories of this type, it is super legit, like, yeah, they consent, they want to do this, and it's not like he's, like, I, 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 I can't, I, I, it's just, he's he's kind of got other things on his mind, like, oh, I've just been told I'm going to save the universe from the Dark Lord. Yeah, and then when he tried to do that, he couldn't. Yeah. Like, hey, I have all five rings. Fuck, this isn't working. Yeah. So, yeah, and I like all of the princesses for the most part. I still don't know what to think of the the dwarf golem thing. We haven't really gotten much time with her. Like she's only been around for a couple chapters, and in those chapters, she has been very much relegated to the sidelines. Yeah, and, but it looks like the idea for this next couple of chapters is just to develop all of the characters more, which is not which is not a bad thing. No, it is not because I feel like up to when they went back and found the dwarf princess and then came back. It seemed like the main purpose for all those arcs was just mostly to introduce characters. Yeah. And they've done that. And now it's trying to, now they just need to actually build dynamics between these characters to make this series more than what it was, which is what it seems like they're trying to do. Yeah. So roll back a bit to the beginning. A series about a guy named Sato. Uh, he's in love with a childhood friend, Hime, but I'm Tish. <laughs> um, they, they kind of go, they've been uh, hanging out together for like 10 years or whatever. Um, and then one day, uh, she fucking disappears. Just like, hey, I'm leaving now. Bye. And then just goes. Uh, he, uh, Sato remembers something uh, from his childhood, uh, which was that Hime and her granddad came here through a magic portal. So he runs So he runs up to where he remembers the portal being, finds the portal, goes through it at the exact moment that she's getting married to somebody. They're then attacked by demons. So she marries him. So she marries Sato and gives him awesome magic powers through her wedding ring. And thus the story is born where in this fantasy kingdom, there are five rings of power that are granted to the princesses of each of these kingdoms. Um, that then the, then the ring King, as he is called, has to go around, marry each of these princesses and then gain the ring of power in order to fight off the deep, in order to fight off the dark Lord fucking what's his dick. Yeah. And of course, each challenge is met with 
some person or random rando possessed by a dark ring that turns them into a bitch level monster. Yeah. Which can only be defeated by the power of one of the rings. Yep. Yeah, so it starts out with um with Sato and Hime. Uh both of them had feelings for each other for a while, and now they're actually getting a chance to develop that relationship, but under the exacerbating circumstances of him developing a relationship with every other one of his wives. Yeah. Because you know Europe, old timey ro- old timey royalty. Yeah. Also, you kind of you you touched on this character, but you didn't. I'm not sure you developed it enough. the The guy who he made was about to marry. You'd think he should be a dick. No, he's actually totally cool. After no, he's all a this. super cool guy. Just like <laughs> really chill, really down for anything, dude. He's like ride or die, man. Yeah, just like the second he sees the second he sees uh, fucking Sato and the way he looks at him, he's like, "Yo, dude, take this." Like, the second they get married, it's like, "Yo, dude, take the sword, fight the demon." And he does. It's like, "Hey, I'm fucking this guy." Let's be bros. And then later in the series, when we get to like the part where he gets, where he gets the fourth ring, I think the water, the water ring. Yeah, the water ring. Uh, we get to learn a bit more about his backstory and figure out why he was that way, and it all works. And we get to see him like have a real crisis of faith moment, and just come around to being like a really cool bro. Yep. Ugh. Of course, then that was a nice uh, palate cleanser because that was also the lolly arc. <laughs> Yep, yeah, that was also the part where they introduced the princess who looks like she's 12. Yeah, and is actually a giant dragon. Yep. Because the dragonborn in this world just look like people, but they have, like, horns or something. Yeah. And again, I don't dislike any of the princesses, even the lolly one, minus the ickiness of the implications, just because uh, whenever I see that, I just like, God damn it, Japan. (laughs) Yeah, just like, um, you're a child, you should be wearing a t-shirt, not a bikini. Ugh. Ugh. But even, even the cat girl didn't bother me, really. I kind of liked that character. <laughs> no, she is a cool character, man. She is... just It's it's really surprising just seeing... Uh, not not surprising, but it's kind of cool. When just like this badass warrior woman who's like, I need 80 billion children. Fuck me right now. <laughs> I also kind of really like the elf princess. Just yeah. the way she's like a weird... Just the way she's like a weird magic shut-in. Yeah, well, she's a weird magic shut-in whose brother was a siscon, which didn't help. You know, didn't she help. wasn't aware of it. <laughs> but there's just, like, multiple scenes where, where like, uh, Hime and Sato were just in bed just talking about stuff. And then all of a sudden, she just rises from the sheets like the ring. <laughs> just, the, just the shit like that. There's, like, little character beats where, as it is, the princesses, they... They have personalities, but not super great personalities. They're they're kind of one note, but they do they're, have. They're mo- okay. So let me put it this way. Yeah, up Please to do. where it seems like the series is going now, they are just types. Yeah, they're well done types, but they're types. Yeah, but now based going- on where it looks like they're going, they have to develop not only relationships between these characters, but the characters themselves. Yeah, like like before getting into the part where we are now, there was a point where they were where they were all teleported to back to the real world, and they were all living there. And so, for a moment, um, all the other princesses who hadn't been there for years um, had to take some time and like started reflecting on what they wanted and who they were. Yes, you then go back to fantasy world. There's the Dark Lord. I'm gonna go punch him. Whoops, that didn't work. And then we then we learned that the Ring King is not destined to defeat the Dark Lord alone. He's destined to do it with all the princesses. 
So now going forward, it's going to be all five of these princesses training up, getting their own skills, getting their own abilities in order to go into battle with the Ring King. And over the course of this time, we'll hopefully be able to develop more personality beyond their type. Yeah, which is what I'm hoping for. And given the overall quality of the writing of the series, I'm willing to give the writer the benefit of the doubt and say he probably can pull it off. Oh, I yeah, absolutely. This, this, dude's actually, this dude's a pretty good writer. And like like, like we said, th- they are types, but they are really well-written types. So it seems like he would be able to develop them in a way that makes sense and is good for their characters. But yeah, I guess we'll check back in when that fucking happens. Yeah, but and it, it's it, for those who don't know, it's a monthly series with like thirty or forty pages per chapter. So yeah, they're it's long chapters. Slow going. <laughs> oh, no, actually, so they, another in, another interesting thing they're doing. Um, Hime's sister. Right. Yeah, that's one. Of, that's the, that. In either the most recent chapter, or the one right before it, they introduced the sister who. Because she was not destined to marry, was instead destined to be the greatest wielder of magic of their kingdom. Yeah. And now she is being a super bitch to Hime. Yeah. Just like a lot of fucking yeah. just like backhanded fucking things to her. Just saying like, oh, you can't do it. Well, I was able to do it. And then just shitting on her super hard. Yep. Which hopefully she actually develops a character too and isn't just, oh, fuck you, sister. Yeah. Well, th- I know it's a cliche, but sisters growing up in different circumstances and experiencing resentment as a result of it is a is it's a good storytelling thing for a reason. So oh, I know, I know it is, yeah. but again, going forward, his thing is like playing against his like his thing is developing beyond type. Yeah, no, that I agree. That if this series is going to continue to be good and not just promising, he needs to. He's done all the good. He's done good groundwork. He's done a lot of good groundwork, yeah, and the art is still great, but he has to build up on top of the groundwork now. He can't just settle with what he started with. Yeah. Anyway, moving forward, uh, Goblin Slayer, year one. I love this series, both <laughs> it and this, and the, uh, the the main series and this, because what this year, what the what year one reminds me of. Is basically that um, that Goblin Slayer is oh, he never dies, but he's basically um, aside from the dying part, he basically feels like uh, Tom Cruise's character from Live Die Repeat. Because <laughs> <laughs> what the most recent chapters of Goblin Slayer Year One say is, I have made every single mistake in the book when it comes to goblin slaying, and that's why I don't give a shit when people say I shouldn't do this. I've learned that this is how the job gets done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. This was like first, this like first thing. Oh god, everybody's dead. I'm gonna go buy some armor and then like get some armor. Gets you know some gets you know some device. Uh, and like th- like his armor used to have horns on it, which is like, which I feel like is a kind of interesting thing. Like I, n- I never assumed his armor had horns. <laughs> yes, yeah, so his armor has yeah. horns. He goes. In, he was in to fight his first goblin nest and gets fucked. Yep. And then learns, and then goes back and doesn't get as fucked. And it's just it's it's really interesting, especially when I consider this is all just a D and D game happening somewhere. Yeah, and he and actually. That was suggested in the main series. They make it a little bit more explicit in the year one thing when he says, I need to make my reflex save. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, God. This is so fucking good. Yeah. So, so do you like this better than the original Goblin Slayer, or? Uh, I kind of have a, I kind of have an inbred bias against prequels. Okay. Yeah, no, see, I'm, I'm with you. I prefer the original series because, well, this is fun in the, oh, this is how this guy basically made every mistake in the book and has learned not to make it no matter how much other people give him shit for how weird he supposedly acts. <laughs> yeah, it actually just kind of... Uh, although, uh, okay, recent go- main Goblin Slayer series chapter... You get the impression the main character, the the right, the author of the eh, not the author, the artist for this series, he was itching to do something with a woman with bigger boobs. Definitely, like <laughs> you saw the sorceress, right? Yeah, that's a fucking dragon's the, crown character the, model right there. Even the sorceress didn't have her nipples pe- poking through her garment. Yeah, but now, hey, I'm the fucking I'm Jesus with tits. Let's do this. Uh, but I, I, I also I kind of love their party, like the <laughs> yeah the, yeah, the Goblin Slayer party. Just it's it's actually a surprisingly well rounded party. Well, not only is it a well rounded party, I like all the personalities, like the the Dragonborn who's obsessed with cheese, yeah, or, or um the elf. I mean, the elf dwarf thing fighting that's just common. But like the elf, like can't take alcohol very well, and the only reason she sobers up is because. Or, Goblin Slayer told a joke. Yeah. <laughs> he, he says, like, I also love that like a little panel for Interesting 2. Like, everybody's staring at him, and the next panel, everybody's still staring at him, but then she's up. Ah. <laughs> oh. This yeah, series really is really like fucking This series is fucking great. I also, um, the chap- that same chapter, which started off with um, him being asked by that I know she's got a position. I just call her chick who wants to fuck him. Yeah, to, the childhood uh, friend, help the her. farmer. Yeah, no, no, not her. Uh, Priestess, the guild. Uh, oh, the receptionist. The receptionist. Yeah, the guild receptionist. Who the first the, the chapter starts off was like, no, this has nothing to do with goblins, and he immediately tries to leave. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but you said it has nothing to do with goblins. Like, well, yes. Yeah, but, but like, dude, you're silver. Just like, fucking act like it for a second, please. I need help. <laughs> Another thing that I actually kind of love is that Goblin Slayer, like, takes off his helmet. Like, Goblin Slayer is, like, super okay about taking off his helmet. We just, we never get to see his face. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's going to be intentional. Yeah, just, just, like, he's taking his helmet and off. it's not like he's ugly or anything. No, By he's... all indications, all the women seem to think he's hot, so. <laughs> yeah, just, like, his face is, like, appealing but nondescript. Yeah. Which oh yeah, okay. I mean like I I felt like what I felt like it would have been fine if his face was like an actual grating. Like he took off his helmet at but but like the little grill for his face stayed there. <laughs> or like um it he he had such a bad sunburn because he he never took the helmet off even on the sun, so his his face literally roasted under it. Yeah, his face is just like this weird semi checkerboard pattern of this fucking just stripe nothing stripe nothing. I mean, it's got to be under there. Like he spends a lot of time in the sun. Yes. <sighs> hey, like, on top of just on top of just like the Goblin Slayer and his party, the rest of the world is. Like fleshed out, there are like actual characters beyond that. 
Yeah. And, like, the world mostly makes sense, despite the disturbing upset. Like, it, it is funny how, like, the series is... Su- like, do you see what I mean now when I was saying there's a ridiculous amount of mythology for fucking goblins in this series? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Well, like that's the thing with that's the thing with like D and D, and I think Pathfinder more so. Where like they spend a lot of yeah. time like developing out oh, goblins. Sp- speaking of fantasy stuff, did you catch the Skyrim joke? I probably maybe I, I, I don't uh, know, in I, that same chapter I was talking about before. Uh, the guild receptionist imagines what it'd be like if Goblin Slayer asked her out, and his res- and all she could imagine is him saying, "Want a sweet roll?" <laughs> This is a good fucking book. <laughs> yes, I really enjoy this one. Hmm. Anywho. Moving on. Uh, so this is three books going to be talking about at the same time because they're all written by the same guy and are part of a spiritual trilogy. Okay. So it is Doubt, Judge, and Secret. All right. So, uh, Doubt is also known as Rabbit Doubt. Uh, it is a, it's a series that has been kind of like, a, the, basically the symbol of the series are these giant mascot rabbit heads. Uh, they, yeah, so all three of these books, all three of these books are, um, they're all different stories with different characters, but they have similar themes, I guess. Okay. So the first one, Doubt, is essentially, you ever played the game Werewolf? Uh, is that the one where you stand around in a group and try to figure out who's the werewolf? Yes. Then yes. It's that, but with murder. Okay. So so in so in this uh, series, a um, bunch of people, uh, main character, his childhood friend, uh, some other people that they introduce, uh, they're all, they are all, um... They're all players in this game called Rabbit Doubt, where everybody is a rabbit except one person is the wolf. And so the, the wolf goes around and tries to kill all the rabbits. Uh, the rabbits get a chance to try to try to pick, pick who the wolf is. If they fail, they all die. If they succeed, the wolf dies, and they move on to the next round. And they play it on their cell phones. So within their little pod, they'll kind of decide to get together and, you know, hang out and actually meet for realsies. Uh, turns out one of their members is actually a former child TV star. Who was part of a TV show where she used her amazing psychic powers to, like, hypnotize people or do something else. Just Essentially, she was just, like, on TV, and then she was kicked off TV for being considered a fraud. Okay. Then, all of a sudden, uh, they they all get drugged, knocked out, and are found in – and find themselves in a warehouse with a bunch of doors that are all locked that have – and they'll have, um, like, barcode readers on the doors. And all of them have a barcode tattooed somewhere on their body. Because our main character who finds that out. Uh, they also find the famous girl uh, dead, nailed to a wall. So in the series is about them going throughout this building, trying to figure out who put them in there, why they put them in there, what's happening, and who can they trust. Uh, Judge, meanwhile, is about a is about a guy who who ends up accidentally killing his brother. Then a number of years later, he finds himself um, locked in a courthouse, basically, with a bunch of other people. 
and they all the people have committed some kind of sin. They all they're all given like different animal heads to represent their sin, and they are told like, "Hey, three pe- three like three of you seven people will make it out of here alive. You all have to vote for who's going to die." And then it just becomes this like cat and mouse kind of game. Well, not really cat and mouse. It just becomes this game where everybody has to try to figure out who is working for them, who's working against them, who's an ally, who's an enemy. Who do they vote for to kill? Are there is there a way to make sure that everybody survives? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, until until the end. I'll be getting into the endings of these things in a bit. I just kind of want to get through get through a main overarching theme first, the main overarching stories of them first. We then go into secret, where a where like seven or eight students survived a bus crash. There was a, there was like a big school trip. The bus crashed, caught in fire, exploded. Everybody died but them. Uh, then one day, their grief counselor and a teacher at the school comes in and says, "Hey, I just want to let you know three of you guys are murderers. In a week's time, you in a week's time you have to confess yourself to the police, or I release every in, in three weeks time you have, to, you have to like confess to me." Or I will leak every piece of information I have to the police. He won't say why he's doing this. He just is doing this. All right. And then over the course of that next couple of weeks, um, everybody involved is starts talking, starts like, or like you know, talking to each other, talking to the talking to that teacher, trying to figure out who the murderer was and how things got this way, and like, was somebody responsible for the bus crash in the first place? All kinds of shit like that. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. The, the ser- these series are all about characters in a horrible situation trying to figure, trying to get out of it. It's essentially like those zero escape games. Okay, yeah, I'm familiar with those. I haven't played any of them, but I'm familiar with them. Yeah, where somebody is involved in everything that's going on, but you're not not 100 sure who, and it's just it's just people trying to figure out motives, trying to figure out all this shit. Um, of all of these books, Doubt is the best. Because while it does have like a really kind of out there kind of stupid ending, I think it's the ending that works right. the best I, for me. I think I remember people talking about the ending of this and going, "What the fuck was that?" Yeah. So for a good chunk of the series, it's really it's really well done. Like there's a lot of tension in there. Uh, the art is really good in showing like the showing like the violence and any kind of stuff like that. We get to the when we get to the end, um, it turns out that um, the childhood friend of the main character, uh, she is potentially the one responsible for all this. Uh, she believes that like something happened to her dad and it was somehow this group's fault. So they, so she wants to put them down. Turns out though, that was all a post hypnotic suggestion from the famous girl who was actually alive and not in a wheelchair. Yeah. I saw that coming and I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah. So what she is doing is just (laughs) gathering groups of people using her, using her fucking mind control powers or whatever to turn one of them into a murderer and then killing everybody. Then leaving and doing it again. That's really dumb. Yeah, because like in the middle of this uh, thing, they find one guy who is who's a rabbit head on and is watching and is watching like this room, watching watching them all on monitors. Uh, they take the rabbit head off, and that guy dies because it turns because there was a thumbtack covered in poison inside that killed him. Because it turns out he was from a different game. Uh, you, you see, I hate stuff like that because. It's kind of like Cage of Eden to me, where it just sounds like the writer wrote himself into a corner and couldn't think of a way out. Yeah, which is weird, because with mystery stuff like this, 
you t- you typically like at least how I do it, I write the ending first. Yeah, I don't think that's true for like ongoing mystery series. I think a lot, particularly mystery manga and anime, I feel like they're written like lost. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, particular like particularly Cage of Eden, I'm fairly certain was written like lost because oh, yeah. there's like, no they, way they, they never they... like they never explained the fucking ghost crab claw that tore the plane down. <laughs> it's it's just they're doing all this and then all of a sudden, hey, time travel. But this series yeah. was 22 chapters. But they were fairly long chapters as I recall. Yeah, like, but this feels like it was ri- this feels like this began as this will have an ending. This is going to be a limited run series that will have an ending at this point. So from that, he can he can start the he can start the end and write backwards. Which is probably stupid to an actual writer, but just for me, how my fucked up mind works. I've been thinking a lot about writing fucking mystery stories, and all of them start with, all right, who did what and why? And then that, and then I like write backwards from that. But anyway. Yeah, so, so you get to the end, um, main character and childhood friend live and escape. Uh, he gets a call from, yeah, main character gets a call from uh, the fucking psychic lady. And she tricks him into saying the command phrase that activates the fucking sleeper agent that is his childhood friend. And then she kills him. And that's the end of the series. That sounds like a bad slasher movie ending. And keep in mind, that's the good one. Yeah. You like these? Kind of. So yeah, so going into Judge, it's revealed by the end that the main character and his childhood friend are the ones responsible for everything. Because we get some backstory and we, we get some backstory and we learn that um that the brother so the brother who was so the brother who was killed, he got hit by a car. Uh, they, the, the driver of that car, uh, he, he ended up getting off on the charges. He didn't have to go, he didn't have have any real punishment or spend any jail time for having killed that guy. The brother was also the childhood friend's boyfriend. So, so yeah, both of them are in the court and they learn that this happened. They, they, they see that this happens and they concoct a plan because it turns out all of the, uh, jurors, were actually bought off and paid off, like bribed to not be, get involved in this shit. But, yeah, they, they were paid by a company to to get this guy to get this guy off. And we also learned halfway through the series that other people were actually taken, like, like, like there were there were essentially two games going on at once, where there was the game with our main character and his little pod of people, and then another pod of people with childhood friend in there. And they were all kind of mirroring each other until you get to the end where only four people can survive. And the remaining four on each side have to murder each other down to four people. Uh It is then that we learn the truth that main character and childhood friend were the ones behind it all. Which doesn't make any fucking sense because we've had internal monologue from the main character the entire series. Okay, this sounds. This is starting to sound like to me. You know, the third one will confirm it whether or not. This sounds like this guy just doesn't know how to write endings. Period. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so they get into this big fight. Uh, they frame, um, they they frame this judge, one of the fucking participants. They frame the judge to be the one behind it all, who because he because he they they have evidence of him like accepting bribery and shit. As they're leaving, the main character gets poisoned by the childhood friend because we because he killed his brother and she found it out. Dun, dun, dun. It was a twist that didn't really work on any level because we got internal monologue his entire time and it was him reacting to things the way a person in this situation would react to them. Since it is inside his head, there's no reason if he is the person who orchestrated all this stuff for him to do that except to fake to, to fake out us. Yeah, I see. You know what that reminds me of that we watched together? Remember Dolores Claiborne? Yeah. Where the the way that the scene was constructed was not actually what happened and it wasn't in like a someone in the story perceived it incorrectly it, no, it was, was the way the they shot it. was just lying to us yeah and not in a and not in a clever editing like we didn't see everything so we don't know it's they literally just shot it in such a way that they apparently just were not aware of the passage of time yeah because they literally just cut that spe- okay, never, you, but you, you see why I'm coming back to that because it sounds like the same sort of thing where yeah, the it, writer just came up with a twist, but the twist doesn't fit with everything else they've established. Or absolutely. if it does, then it's because the writer is incompetent. And then we get into the third one, which I didn't like very much, but I think makes the most sense. Okay. So the bus, the bus crash was an actual accident. There was no malicious intent behind it. That was just a false flag. The three murders that occurred are the first one. Um, when, when the bus crashes, one of our main guys wakes up and then sees a friend of his pinned. She's pinned under something heavy. So he goes and lifts it up and sees that she is fucked. There's like fucking glass and metal and shit ripping through her fucking stomach. She is just waiting to die. So he ex- so he expedites the process at her request. The second murderer uh, turns out that that girl who died in the bus was actually in a relationship with a guy who missed the school trip and thus had a horrible amount of fucking guilt. And turns out she was pregnant with his kid. But one of the other survivors was actually in love with that guy. So she tried to. So she went up and confessed to him. Uh, and he's like, no, I can't do that, man. I was somebody else. They, and she would not take no for an answer and ends up, uh, throwing this, um, throwing this bookmark that he had. He's like filling with it the entire time they're talking. She ends up kind of throwing it off the roof. He dives out after to get it and kills himself. But it was technically her fault. So she is technically a murderer. The third murderer actually didn't exist when he said that. He orchestrated event the guy the grief counselor in charge of all this. He technically orchestrated events in order to make one of the students murder other students. Making his prophecy come true. And the way he did that was by lit by was by leaving a bunch of clues and t- getting close to one of his students in order to plant the idea that these two guys that he hated were murder were the ones who caused the bus crash and killed everybody. Okay. So it makes up so it makes more sense than the other two. But then we learn that the reason he's doing all this was because this guy had fucked his sister. Oh 
and his sister being the girl that one of the characters killed on the bus who was pregnant. That's the fucking big reveal. The big reveal is that one of the characters who died at the beginning, who was kind of pivotal to, the, pivotal to everything, got fucked by her older brother. Who was doing all of this to get revenge for whoever it was that was dating his sister. Uh, My God. What's funny, what's, I, I see what you mean about that being the most coherent one, but it's also the most lame. Yeah, exactly. It's just, mm. it also is the weirdest, like, it, it's weird. It's the, it's the most coherent, but the most weird. So the other ones, I can kind of follow the logic there. To an extent. Like that first one, oh, they forgot about me. Now they'll never forget about me because fucking awesome. I'm awesome. Big dick fucking swinging out there. Second one, these people are responsible for the guy killing my brother going free. Let's get revenge. This one, I fucked my sister. Everybody dies now. Like it's even more fucked up because like these kids are like, I think middle of high school. So like around like 16, 17. Yeah. He fucked his sister years before that happened. Yeah, so potentially even before the age of consent, which is 14 in Japan, but... Ugh! Ugh! Yeah. But yeah. Art's really good in all of them, but the series aren't great. Yeah, I distinctly remember now, Doubt, now that you explained it to me, I remember seeing all the bunny people and I was like what is that about it sounds like a and when I just heard it described like well that sounds like a series dead man might read it'll probably suck though yeah it turns out it does I was literally I guess I was literally right yeah so don't bother reading any of those yeah instead dead man please watch some ghost town so we can continue to talk about good stuff because I'm gonna I will I'm trying to remember is there one more anime podcast before the end of the year uh yeah we have one more Okay. All right. Yeah. Also, don't really read Mashira. It is not great, but I'm going to keep reading it because I'm fucking stupid. Okay. I have no idea what that is. So Mashira is about a town in the mountains being attacked by super monkeys. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. So, um, this series, main guy, he used to live out in fucking... He used to live out in this fucking boonies town, whatever. Then he left because of mental health problems, which is that he could talk to animals. He then comes back. And and around the time he comes back, um, a bunch of monkeys who are apparently hyper-intelligent cut off access to the town from – cut off the town from the world by knocking out phone lines, knocking out power lines, and and causing a rock slide to block off the road. They then begin to swarm down from the mountains, trying to murder everyone. <sighs> Over the course of these events, our main character learns regains his ability to talk to animals. And he begins to hear all the monkeys' voices, and all the monkeys are saying is, kill them all, kill them all, we need to kill them all. And this is all because of some mega-god monkey living on top of the mountain. So, some of the monkeys are just standard monkeys, like... Like some big, some are small, but they're all just fucking ferocious. Just you're fucking going at you, ripping your, ripping your shit off Michael Jackson style. But then there are occasionally monkeys who have like fucking, 
who have like actual sniper scopes on their arm that they use to throw rocks with the with the power of bullets. Sure. You know, monkeys. I had a description for this in my head. I just can't remember it now. And yeah, it's a really weird book. And I don't know why any of this is happening. But I'm going to keep reading it. Because I'm an idiot. Okay. Anyway, uh, in that vein, in in the vein also of kind of stupid horror-ish stories about this weird bullshit, um, Cradle of Monsters. This, this, yeah, this is an early manga podcast read for me. Like, I read this back when we started the manga podcast. But I never finished it because it wasn't done at the time, and I dropped off because I didn't fucking follow chapter releases back then. Now I am reading it. Now I've read it again, all the way through. And it's dumb. For those who don't know. The book was about a group of students, a group of high school students, um, going on a cruise liner, kind of just for like a school trip or whatever. Uh, they're on their way back, and on the way back, uh, their boat flips upside down. Uh, nobody knows nobody knows uh, why at first, uh, but once it does flip upside down, uh, they are attacked by a man with a hatchet. They try to escape. And do, but then their teacher, who got bitten by that man, begins going insane and trying to kill them all. Is then left for this group of kids to try to try to scale the boat to the bottom, Poseidon Adventure style, to get out and survive. Wow, all kinds of horrible shit happens around them. Ugh. I hate when you talk about these kinds of series because I feel like I have nothing to contribute. No, that's fair. I I don't really have anything to contribute either, just aside from describing it. Like, it's not great. Like, character-wise, it's nothing special. Like, there are a couple characters uh, that... There are a couple characters that contribute to my theory that all Japanese anime students are psychopaths. Uh, there are some that are just, like, really capable assholes who kind of become less assholes as the series progresses. Uh, there's the main female character who is nothing, really. Secondary female character, who is a literal monster. Antagonist best friend kind of thing. It's it's very bog standard. The one thing of note that it does that's interesting is there is a trend there are a there is a translator switch between one of the two between two chapters. And so the coach, the guy the teacher who begins killing everybody, he initially starts screaming disciplinary action, which is kind of his catchphrase as he's killing these students. So it's like, yeah, disciplinary action, disciplinary action, as he's killing students. Next chapter, he starts screaming child abuse. <laughs> that is the most interesting be, thing about this series. That would be unintentionally funny if, as, and that you'd never get away with that in the States, just having a teacher run around killing people, killing students, yelling child abuse, child abuse. <laughs> Granted, that, that, you know what, that, that sounds like a teacher from like Borderlands, but. Yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah, there's nothing really to say about this one. It's just kind of nothing. Yeah, I hate those. Yeah. Anyway, at final least, thing. Like, at least, at least batshit crazy ones leave you with an impression of some kind. Yeah. Like, the next one I, like, the last one I've talked about is actually kind of interesting. 
It's called Petals of Reincarnation. And it is kind of cool. So in it, we have main character. Don't know his name because I never know their names. Uh, he is a talentless. He is a talentless person. He does average in school. He does average in just about everything. There's nothing that he excels at. There's nothing that he can say, "Hey, I'm like, hey, I'm good at this." As opposed to his brother, who was amazing at everything. And so he desperately wants to be talented at something. One of the students in his class uh, is a girl who is potentially the greatest swordsman in the country. Like she joined the kendo club and immediately destroyed it. Uh, Like destroyed it to the point where she is now living in the kendo club club room. Uh, One night while walking home, uh, he sees some people being murdered. Then the girl from then the girl from his school, who's the swords person, shows up and slits her own throat, becoming a more powerful sword person. Because it turns out that if there is somebody out there who doesn't have a talent, who doesn't who isn't good at anything, but wants to be good at something, so desperately they're willing to kill themselves. If they slit their own throat, they they slit their own throat with a very special blade, a tree branch kind of thing that turns into like a little kunai, whatever. If they do that, they can get superpowers based on somebody from history. That sounds like a long, long roundabout way of doing Shaman King. It kind of is, but kind of not. Because there isn't like a ghost that falls them around. It's just they get those abilities. Okay. And it is about, and it's about main character. Uh, who joins up with this group called the Force of the Greats, which is a group of people that all have various abilities and stuff and such based on famously known historical figures who are fighting against a different group of people with these abilities who are trying to destroy we're trying to like fuck up modern day life. Like the guy who they fought in the first thing was got, got the talent of a serial killer. Whenever there was a full moon, he would go out and kill people, but the superpower that he got was that when he killed people, he could eat them and get more powerful. So yeah, the girl has uh, the ability of one of the greatest swordsmen in the history of Japan, apparently. And so she is a, so she is a fucking awesome sword fighter. Uh, she is part of a group of people uh, that has uh, Pablo Picasso. Um, a guy who's so good at math that his superpower gave the person the ability to predict and calculate every possible event that could happen. Einstein, who apparently can teleport. Um, and I believe, and I believe, um, Sir Isaac Newton, who has an apple for a head and has apples that cause gravity wells. You know, anime. <laughs> Yeah, our main character eventually gets the eventually gets abilities. Uh, he gets thieving abilities because of some fucking thief he got his powers from. Uh, he can steal things. He can like pass his hand through something and rip something out of that. Like he can do. Like he can go into like somebody's purse and take out the contents of the purse. Or if there is a person like running away, he can reach inside them and pull out some of their blood, making them lightheaded and pass out. And if he's really lucky, he'll grab a pair of their panties and auction them off to the person. Yeah, totally. Uh, he eventually gets the ability to take people's powers. You, you don't know what I'm. You don't remember what I'm referencing, do you? Yeah, um, Konosuba. 
Yeah, okay. Wasn't sure. Yeah, he gets yeah, he he gets thieving abilities. Well, one of his thieving abilities is just steal. So he thinks about something, closes his fist, opens it up, the thing's in his hand, and he and he steals the teacher's panties. I've seen season one at least. Fuck, we've talked about it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so yeah, he eventually gets the ability to steal other people's abilities, and he has a and he has a secondary ability, the right hand. Because his left hand, th- his left hand steals. His right hand lets him use abilities he's stolen. And yeah, eventually he ends up meeting with the fucking main antagonist, who is apparently a pretty cool guy and was his best and his, was his uh, his older brother's former best friend. And yeah, uh, just kind of see the series just kind of kind of seems to be about this one character being stuck in a war that he doesn't want to be in. Because this is very much a war going on between these two warring factions. Um, one of them is about, like, hey, the, potentially the most powerful fucking ability user to ever exist. And then this fucking math person who is potentially evil. And so both of them are having competing goals and stuff. Um, they don't really – they don't necessarily want uh, – like, we don't – we're not necessarily sure who is the – who's on the right side of history here. And the main character doesn't care because his goal is to steal everybody's ability. He doesn't, he doesn't want to deal with this fucking, he doesn't want to deal with the politics of this. He doesn't want to deal with the morality of this. He just wants to take everybody's powers and be, and have that be that. He wants to be the most talented person to ever exist. Which is something. I guess. Not much, but fucking something. Uh, I'm not going to really keep going into this one. It is kind of boring. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, like art-wise, uh, art-wise and writing-wise, it's not awful. Like none of the characters I particularly hate or have any genuinely negative feelings towards. It's just I just don't care. It's just one of those series you come across every now and again where just. Everything is so non-offensive, but also non-interesting that you just kind of can't get any real strong feelings about it. So, yeah. That's what I got. Okay. Those are what we were going to watch, and then on to news. So, first up. Uh, it has been announced that the Ultraman manga by Tomohiro Shim- uh, Shimoguchi and Eiji Shimizu uh, will be getting a mong- will be getting an anime adaptation in 2019. And this is kind of great. I really fucking love that manga. Like for those who haven't seen it, uh, the new Ultraman manga is. Sort of a sequel to Ultraman. It follows, um, like, follows a new Ultraman who is the son of the former Ultraman, as well as, like, the science people and all of their doings and goings on with the aliens that are coming to invade. It's a, it's a much darker series. It's a much, like, more serious series. But the artwork in it is fucking fantastic. The Ultraman suit looks fucking great. Everybody looks fucking great. Aliens are super cool. But yeah. And let's get an anime next year. Or the year after next year. That's it. Yeah. Yes, that's happening. 
And I am totally down for that. Have you yeah. read that? Have you read that? Yeah, Mom? I've read it. I've, I have read it. I'm not up to date on it, but I've read it. Okay. Actually, that's all uh, I'm pretty sure we've talked about together. Yeah, I think so. Anywho, moving on to our next piece of news. Um, so, in upcoming in the upcoming uh, Shonen Jumps 2018, uh, number two and number three double issue, uh, it will be announced, or has been announced, I'm not 100% sure how these things work. Well, anyway, it's been announced that there will be a My Hero Academia movie coming in the summer next year. Okay. So yeah, no, no word yet if it is a if it's like a recap kind of thing or like some other weird thing. Just that they're getting a movie. Much like yeah, dude. Whatever. Yeah, that's fine. They're supposedly getting a video game too. Uh yes, they are. Um, one's Justice. Uh, they've so far um haven't really talked much about it. Um, I, but I believe it is some kind of fighting game, and they've shown uh f- they've shown images at least of uh, Deku fighting Togaraki. Knock, knock. Who's there? Justice. <laughs> Justice who? Justice Fist. That's <laughs> not a L. Anywho, uh, so Berserk coming back from hiatus on December 22nd. Expected to go back on hiatus on December 23rd. I don't think that series will ever end, Dead Man, mainly because the writer will never finish it. He'll die first. Yeah, that's probably right. So, anywho, um, final thing. I'm not sure if anybody cares about this, but it is. But I found it interesting mainly because I found the idea of the series interesting. Um, Kengen Ashura, a a scene in action series about rich people um, putting bets on pit fighting to solve to solve disputes between their companies. That's being adapted into an anime. That's happening. I don't know. It it seems cool. Ugh. So decent show this week, I guess. Thank y'all for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks' time for the final DestorProds.com anime manga podcast of 2017. In between now and then, though, we will be having shit coming out. Maybe videos for me. I don't know. I might make something. Until then, though, I'm dead. I'm Birdie. We will. See you guys next time.